everyone. Uh, this is Boots on the Ground podcast and I'm your host D-Blex Lesalon. In this new episode, I'm so humbled and excited to be speaking with Amish Chagan. Amish is an award-winning moment creator originating from Zambia and was exposed to the natural world from a very young age. The serenity of these vast lands and the excitement of sporting wildlife often transpired, more so when he found photography or when photography found him. His photography profession has taken him to numerous places, but maintains a stronghold in Africa due to his heritage and network. With his primary focus on wildlife, he quickly expanded his work into conservation visual storytelling through building key relationships with the most impactful conservation organizations he comes across. His role as a wildlife photographer exists because there are beautiful and spectacular moments to capture in the wild, but therein exists an important duty to the preservation and conservation of the wilderness and its natural habitat. This gives him a bigger sense of responsibility as a human and photographer to use his work to showcase the beauty of the once abundant wildlife on this planet. Amish wants to continue to expand his network within the conservation space, constantly seeking a unique and impactful visual stories. His goal is to provide awareness of the key issues on the ground as well as the solution and key stakeholders that are responsible for making a difference. I hope you enjoy this episode and learn something. Karibu, karibu sana. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Amish Chagan, uh, Chags, <laughs> as you all know you, um, <laughs> for coming to the podcast uh, and joining us straight from Barcelona in Spain. Thank you so much, brother, and welcome to the podcast. Nice connecting with you again. Thank you. Thank you, Diplex. It's, it's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here, um, as you said, from, from sunny Barcelona, where we are currently <laughs> experiencing a heat wave. Um, <laughs> and apparently climate change is not real, right? Or global warming. I know, right? How many or degrees are you guys? <laughs> global boiling. <laughs> yeah, I don't wow, know if you saw a... that, that, that video from the rep from UN, I think. And he was talking about it's no longer global warming, it's global boiling. Global uh, it's, boiling it's about 35, sure. 35, 36 degrees uh, oh. here. Oh, really? Um, wow, that's pretty yeah, hot. It is, it is. Wow. As we are at, uh, let me just check that for you. 24 um, degrees. I think, yeah, 24, 25, they're about, yeah. Not, not, not that bad, not that bad. <laughs> okay, I wish, yeah, but um, I'm really excited to be chatting with you about your craft, about your creative process as a photographer, how your journey started, what the projects you're currently work, working on, and I'm sure a lot of uh, people are listening to you right now um, and would want to hear all those stories, you know. And I'm sure Kenya is one of your favorite destinations and so many stories from here as well. Uh, so Amish, could you tell us your story right from the beginning and how it's going uh, at the moment? Uh, my story? Well, how much time How much time do we have? <laughs> um so I was I was brought up in in Zambia in the capital city of Lusaka. Um, we didn't have internet. Um, smartphones did not exist back then. We had one TV station. Great weather, lots of outdoor space, abundance of nature and wildlife, and and this this was my surrounding environment. Um, I was I was fortunate to be in the close proximity of the flora and fauna of this region. Um, and I had numerous opportunities to visit um, and to be in the total wilderness and spend time with our uh, precious wild friends in their, in their homes. Um, it was almost a way of life, um, being surrounded in this wilderness, easy access within, within reach. Um, and of course, things have changed drastically over the years. The the city has grown. It's become more populous, less terrestrial land. Yeah. Um, national parks and viewing wildlife is a lot more costly than it was uh, back then, probably because it's it is scarcer. Um, I think the serenity of these lands, the blissful feelings it created, the excitement of spotting wildlife, um, often transpired within me. Um, mm -hmm. More so when 
photography became something quite important to me. Um, initially as a creative pastime and passion, but uh, today as a primary vocation. Um, <clears throat> I think admittedly my upbringing and exposure is something I probably took for granted when I was a kid. Um, it's only when I moved to Europe and pursued further studies is when the real contrast of the world surfaced. Um, my exposure to nature from such a young age and upbringing in a place like Zambia versus the concrete jungles and chaos of, of London City, for example. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, after completing high school, um, I, as I said, I went, I pursued my, my further studies in, in the UK. I started a career in finance and, and management consulting in London, where I threw myself into the corporate world and eventually into a string of, um, startup companies. Um, I moved to Barcelona in 2015, 2016, um, for love, for a more balanced lifestyle, um, where I created and ran a firm that focused on primary, providing primary market research, um, yeah. focused on Africa. Um, and, and that's a skill set that I utilize significantly in the conservation storytelling part of my, my role today. Um, <clears throat> I wound this company up not so long ago, so I can focus my time and uh, and efforts on wildlife and conservation photography, as well as maintaining some other interest in, in the startup space. But photography, like most great things in life, I should say, um, yeah. come by chance or came by chance. Um, I experimented with my, with my father's film camera, back in the day, but the expense of buying film and the development was, was a bit much. Um, fast forward me to living in, in, in London, my, my interest in photography afforded me a basic Nikon DSLR. Um, and I think I wanted to rekindle with a creative hobby. Um, nice. Something that I experienced as a kid with, with um, music and playing musical instruments um as well as as well as art um because i found myself spending a lot of time working or thinking about my day job that my mind was already was very focused on on the corporate side of things or or, or similar um and i think my first trip no i think i know my first trip to masai mara some years ago quickly narrowed down the type of photography that spoke to me or the genre of photography that I was interested in yeah. um, because it connected it it gave me this nostalgic feeling from when I was a kid and what I was exposed to um, and combined a creative hobby um, I think the sheer density of wildlife was outstanding to me because I had never experienced that before um, yeah uh, places in Zambia and Zimbabwe and Botswana there is an abundance of wildlife in these places, but because Masai Mara is so small and the population is so dense, it, it was just outstanding to me to see so much wildlife. Um, uh, I, I always, I always tell people that are visiting Mara for the first time, if it's guests or, or other people I meet that um, I envy that feeling um, maybe envy is too strong of a word, but I envy that feeling of that first time of visiting a place like the Mara. It's, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a special, special place. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah. As I, I remember sitting outside my tent one evening on that trip and going through the hundreds of photos that I had taken, um, I felt my adrenaline spike. I, I felt this overwhelming excitement as it took me back to that moment of capturing that or making that photo. And then it happened again wow. a couple of months later when I was going through my photos and post-processing them. Um, and yeah, I think that was, that was the hook. It was building up to, to, to that kind of, uh, it was a convergence point that connected wildlife and photography uh, and of course, with time, the underrated importance of of the con of conservation. 
Um, but yeah, it opened up a whole new world in 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 creating in creating impact uh, yeah. that is purpose driven, and I think the pieces of the creative puzzle fell together nicely for me, um, and I've not stopped since. Wow, what what a journey! So that, yeah, Amish. it's a yeah. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, it's 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 totally mind blowing. Yeah, you just coming out from the corporate world and now to a full time a wildlife and conservation photographer, and just seeing some of those photographs and stories you have told. You know, it goes on to say uh, the kind of um, uh, you know uh, photographer you are and the skill set and the genre that you've mentioned. Uh, Amish, take us back to the moment where you you first held your um uh you own that dslr camera that you you are telling us about earlier and yeah what went through your mind how did it feel like uh you know owning a camera you've mentioned that you've you you used your father's a uh, film camera when you were a young boy but fast forward to you even going to the store and buying this camera how did that feel like for you the um i, I think I think my first camera, I, I, I cannot remember. Um, but uh, what I, what I do, what I, knowing myself, like, like most tech gadgets with young boys, you know, and that I've been, uh, you know, technology that I've encountered in my life, I was excited and probably tried everything, you know, that it was capable of doing as, mm -hmm. as, as you do with, with technology. Yeah. Um, Sure, my father's film camera was probably one of the, the 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 first ones, but I was always under close observation, you know, in case I may waste <laughs> the film by taking uh, photos of, of useless of useless things. Yes. Um, but I think my first my my personal my first own camera was was one of those uh, Sony DS DSC cameras, those slimline cameras. I think it was a two megapixel or one megapixel camera or something like that, which was wow. pretty good back in the day. Yeah. Um, I remember it being a lot of fun just because it was new technology and it's a gadget and, and I love these things. And I would play around taking lots of random photos. Um, I think my output or I should say my photography in general was quite technical. Um, and when I mean technical in the sense that my focus was on using the most complex functions of the camera to capture the photo, if, if that makes, if that makes sense. So in my mind, um, to get the best photos, you have to really understand your technology very, very well. Sure. And the mm -hmm. rest will occur naturally. Of yeah. course, that is, that is not, not true. And that's what I, <laughs> key learning I should say in, in my journey, but um, <clears throat> I think I was old enough at the time where maybe my natural creative juices had been somewhat suppressed um, due to the focus on what was important uh, in school, in education, the maths, the science, the economics, uh, and the like, uh, and yeah, the arts and the uh, theater and drama were were kind of a side pastime hobby, low on the hierarchical status of of education, um, and hence that's why I'm saying that I think my photography is part of the reason that my photography was was technical. I I explored and exhausted all these options, and so in a few months I got bored. Um, and yeah, that was that was my 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 experience. But as I said, I. I I was rekindled with a Nikon DSLR much later in life. Um, maybe, I don't know, 12, 12 years, 13 years ago or so. Um, <clears throat> and that's when I started to re re explore this creative pastime or creative hobby. Wow. Wow. Thanks for sharing that, Amish. And fast forward, you, you, you are now an, an acclaimed uh, photographer. You call yourself a moment creator. You've worked with uh, companies such as Nagio. Uh, you are part of the International Conservation League of Photographers. You have traveled. Well, you, know, you have. Sorry, let me let me correct you. There. I'm not part of the International Conservation League of Photographers uh, yet. 
hopefully oh, in, in yet. time. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but that that is that is definitely one one objective. The goal. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Thanks for that, Amish. Um, someone listening to you right now and just looking at your work. Um, could you take us through some of the challenges that you uh, overcame? In your early stages of um, breaking out, you know, uh, into understanding your style, your genre, your that, take us through some of uh, these those challenges that you overcame, and also your creative process, how you keep yourself fit, and uh, you know, uh, because you spend a lot of time on the ground, you know, uh, traveling and all that. How do you keep your creative juices flowing? That's a that's a podcast in its own I think just to talk about creativity <laughs> um, I think I think one of the one of the primary challenges um, especially in your early days is is exposure and and recognition um, I think there there is an abundance of, of photographers in nature and and wildlife it's it's a relatively crowded space I um, mean you know, <clears throat> to be honest, all you need is a smartphone, and technically, you are you are a photographer, right? So, so being recognized, I think, um, can be quite the challenge in in the early days. Um, I I think the other the other challenge I don't know if I call it a challenge, but maybe it's more of a necessity that takes time is uh, is access local access, and by access I mean your your network your your fixes um your boots on the ground <laughs> essentially <laughs> yeah. so i think building relationships with these uh stakeholders on the ground not only open up a a whole world of photography opportunities for you but it's but it's also a crucial part of your role as a photographer um and this takes time to build Right. It's not something that happens overnight. Um, you have to be open and, and not shy to reach out to anyone that you think might be of, of interest to you and, and with aligned goals, with aligned objectives. Um, and, and hopefully you find synergies to, to work together. Um, it's at the beginning, it's definitely a lot of trial and error. Um, yeah. but with time you gain confidence, you, you have a clear value proposition, so to speak. Um, and you can approach various people, various stakeholders, conservation organizations with a, with a, with an agenda to say, look, this is how my skill, my skill set can contribute, um, to your cause as well. And, and, and I think, and I think it's, it's, yeah, it's a bit of luck. It's, it's a bit of trial and error. It's experimentation. It's, it's having the confidence in yourself and your ability. Um, uh, what else? I think another constant challenge, um, and, and I'm speaking obviously personally, um, I'm sure it applies to, to others is going through these, these phases of, questioning things um we were speaking earlier on um and i think it's 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 currently a phase i'm going through right right now as we as we speak um mm -hmm. and, I, and i think it's it's partly due to the fact that i'm that i'm pursuing a vocation that is generally looked upon as as a hobby or a pastime uh, um, i also come from a culture uh i'm 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 Indian, Indian African. Um, I come from a culture where the emphasis is on um, becoming an accountant, uh, a lawyer, a doctor, or a banker, um, and and of course, understandably, right? Uh, yeah. Our our families, our parents, the the culture wants us to to get into a safe and secure job, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always, I guess I've always been a little bit of a rebel from, from, from a young <laughs> age, always challenging the status quo. Um, and, and I think, I think with this chosen vocation, my, my, my family have been super supportive. My, my, my partner has been amazing, um, in helping me to, and pushing me and encouraging me. My friends have been have been very supportive, 
and that's very helpful. But from time to time, you question things. I'm I'm only human, right? Sure. Um, yeah. am, am I doing something that's 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 worthwhile? Uh, am I am I really helping to to create impact? Can I continue to make uh, some sort of living for this? Um, and so this happens from from time to time in a few conversations with people like yourselves <clears throat> um, working on photography, writing about how I feel, starting a new blog, etc usually helps me to get out of this writing. You, you spoke about um, creative juices and fitness and how you how you you know how you can be on the ground a lot and and be in these funny angles when taking photos. Um, I'm, I'm quite active. I play football once a week. I train twice a week. I, I go for yoga three or four times a week. I try to meditate. So I think it's a combination of these things that, that help you to get out of these kind of ruts, but that's not to say it's, it's a bad thing because, um, it just makes you realign your, your focus, right? Once you do get out of that rut, you, you're a lot more grateful for for where you are and what you're doing and what you are trying to pursue um wow. because it's not yeah. just a personal it's not just a personal passion or a personal project um it's it's more of an, uh, a global agenda an important one uh, totally agree matter. yeah wow thank you amish for sharing that and um i like the word you've used there realignment you know and we all go as I'm a creative as yeah. well. And I also go through uh, those phases where I'm like um, the podcast, you know, why am I doing it? Um, you know, will this, will, will, will these stories count? Will, will my work make an impact? Will my work change hearts and minds? And I love what you said earlier on, on being in these spaces where you have uh, uh, other creatives around you. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to be in, uh, one fellowship program, you know, attending uh, some of these festivals and meeting other creatives as well. And it, it builds your confidence and your network. And we cannot Absolutely. emphasize on this, really. It's important for us as creatives, whether you're a cinematographer, photographer, podcaster, you know, push yourself, put yourself out there. Do not uh, be afraid of making your voice hard. Uh, let's switch on gears now and talk a bit yeah. about the creative process. And uh, Amish, according to you, why is time and patience important in understanding your subjects um, in storytelling? Uh, well, very different different concepts. Uh, time and patience, and and also understanding. Yeah, I mean, there's three concepts. That I'll, I'll I'll tackle them one by one. I think I think um, patience. Or not, patience is a skill set. I, I think some, it's it's more natural for some than than for others. I don't regard myself as a patient person per se, but it's important that I recognize that this is imperative in in what I do, and and, and the results that I can achieve. Um, I think, <clears throat> I think I've grown to become more patient in particular what I do. Um, and that's because of a combination of the love I have for the subject and the topic and spending my time doing something that I really, really enjoy, that I'm passionate about, that's part of a critical global agenda. Um, and I think all these factors contribute in building a larger threshold for patients. I, I think it just comes quite quite naturally. Um, uh, and, and of course, what I produce and, and the output is important, but I thoroughly enjoyed the process of building this output. I, I, I love the journey. Um, and I, I also think because of these factors that I'm generally calmer. I, I'm more peaceful. I find it easier to, to meditate these days than, for example, when when I first started to try to meditate back when I was working in the corporate world where I found it almost impossible, probably more n necessary back then than, than today, but then now, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, time. You have no control over time. Um, so for me, what is important is that you spend your time on the areas that mean something to you. 
easier said than than done. Uh, and I think this applies to probably all aspects of of life in general. But in yeah. this case, uh, a story or a subject <clears throat> that moves you, that brings out certain emotions that you feel is important, and and that's a <clears throat> that could be a massive contrast to what others may think is important or, um, or or what the world may think is important. But if it's important to you, if you, <clears throat> if it raises an emotional arousal in you that you feel that this story is important or this subject, it's an endangered species, whatever it may be, um, I think it's good to, to at least focus on it, at least try and explore that route. Um, you know, it could be a conservation story about how farmers are dealing with human wildlife conflicts, which is probably the, the current threat of uh, current biggest threat of wildlife. It could be the success story of how wild dog populations are increasing in the Luangwa Valley in Zambia um, uh, or the reintroduction of um, jaguars in, in the north of Argentina, um, you know. These are all, or it just could be a, a a powerful shot of a particular species that simply highlight the the beauty of of the wilderness and its and its natural habitat. Um, you know, as my career continues to develop, um, and of course with time, <laughs> I'm increasingly becoming picky and choosy over what I photograph um, and who I collaborate with as well. In particular, with conservation stories, um, yes. I think with with wildlife photography in general, you, you can put me in a situation with a with a leopard or a pride of lions every day, and and my challenge will be to find a new way to see or a new way to capture an image uh, or, or to tell a story. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a wow. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's something you need to. It, uh, self-discovery process so to speak thank um, you that's powerful yeah <clears throat> you also mentioned understanding your subjects and and i think this is a <clears throat> i think this becomes a natural process in your photography regardless of what your your subject or your or your topic is um in wildlife understanding animal ethology even basic behaviors could be the difference of of you getting a good shot versus a great shot, a uh, great mm -hmm. shot, one that creates, em uh, you know, some emotional stimulation just because, just because you can anticipate the next moment. It's, it's those milliseconds that can probably make, make, make the difference. Yes. Um, you know, and then that, that, that means spending time as much time as you can um, in the field with these animals um, observing them, educating yourself by asking lots of questions to your guide, who is generally very well informed about the landscape. Yes. Um, you know, in conservation visual storing, this this it's 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 about being able to tell your stories through a series of photos and and captions and and context, which is which is harder than it than it sounds. It's it's mm -hmm. actually uh, quite a difficult thing to do, uh, at least for me. So your due diligence, your research, speaking to many different stakeholders, um, getting as much as relevant, opinionated, and fact-checked information as possible. They all, yeah. These all give you the best chances to to tell the most impactful, unique, and unique story as possible. Uh, as, as I mentioned, I ran a market research firm before, uh, and these, these are transferable skill sets. Um, so yeah, understanding your subject, understanding the topic, um, deep dive as, as much as possible, because that, that will be the difference between good and, and great in, in summary. Wow. Thanks for sharing that in detail. So profound right there, Amish. And, um, we've seen a lot of films, a lot of stories, a lot of photographs, you know, just, um, uh in in the in the in the aim of uh bringing attention 
to 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 the to the world really about endangered species, whether it's um, the southern white rhinos in in Opegeta Conservancy, whether it's the uh, pandas, you know, you've mentioned about um, the wild dogs in uh, southern Luangwa there. Uh, do you believe yeah. that filming and storytelling can be used as a force for good to shape uh, the conservation narrative around the world and to uh, bring people to terms with uh, our relationship with nature uh, and uh, change our attitudes towards nature and to help us coexist and thrive? Without a doubt, of, of course. Uh, I think I think the medium the medium of photography and video are extremely powerful tools in conservation. Um, it provides a visual voice, <clears throat> as as simple as that. Um, I think while technical white papers, research on particular topics and thematic areas, donations, all of these things make a difference. But I think. Um, I think the real scalable change in actions come from uh, more a human consciousness, uh, a more deeper emotional connection, a sense of co compassion and empathy, mm -hmm. one with nature, one with understanding the impact that we've had on the planet that not only threatens the wild, but our very existence. Um, and I think photography, and I believe photography and video evokes this through its visual narrative and, and, and storytelling. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if, we're not, if we are not aware of the crisis that we are in, we cannot understand it. If we cannot understand it, there is no emotion attached to it. And therefore, there is little or no action that can come out of it. You know, speaking to the latter of, of your question. Um, and at least from my experience, um, maybe it might be different for, for others, uh, even yourself. I think um, a lot of people are just not aware, just generally speaking, um, and understandably so. <clears throat> you know, people live their own lives. They Their lives revolve around their professions, their work, their career, their family, social, or, you know, if you live in places like Somalia or Ukraine, their priorities are elsewhere. Again, understandably so. Um, and I think there is this, um, this, you know, the conservation narrative, generally speaking, it's not one that comes up as, as a high priority agenda in the average person's life. It, you sure. know, it's, it's almost seen as a as a social cause and and you know if you could please donate a little etc which is great um, and people do and then get on get on with their lives it, it, it's it's not something you know like doing your taxes that, that's important has to be done and you know it's not it's not a key part of people's life I don't know if that if that if that makes sense what I'm saying I, I and also, I think part of the challenge is the narrative is is quite broad as well. When we talk yeah. about conservation, because there are there are hundreds and possibly thousands of of sub stories and sections within that narrative, so we yeah. could be referring to a range of issues, um, not just in a place like Kenya but around the world. Sure. Um, <clears throat> there's there's a photographer, uh, adventure nature photographer, Galen Rowland, Rowell, sorry. Um, he once said, and I love this quote, um, there is no question that photography has played a major role in the environmental movement. And, and I, cannot, I cannot agree more. Um, one of his goals was to, was to inspire greater appreciation of the natural world, promote the importance of conservation through his art. Um, and if if you or, or your listeners have ever seen his work, it's very powerful. It's very dramatic. Um, it tells a story in, in almost a single photo. Um, anyway, but I'm deterring a little. But my short answer is absolutely. I think a visual narrative is very powerful. It's thought-provoking. It creates emotional arousal. And if we're able to achieve that with our audience, 
then we're making some progress at least. Um, as I said, I think it needs to be scalable. Um, but then the next step is, you know, how can I help? Not just donations, which, which are important. Uh, don't get me wrong, but how else can I contribute? Sure. Um, and yeah, I, I think, I think this is a, I think this is a topic that can be another one that can be its own podcast, possibly. Maybe you should get a panel of people from the from the conservation and photography world, and and I'm sure this would be a very interesting conversation. I, I'm I'm only Certainly. I'm only scratching the the surface. Um, Absolutely, what I'm saying. Yeah, certainly agree with you, Amish. And um, there's so much to be done as well uh, in terms of providing young people with mentorship, with space, accessibility, and totally agree with you that yeah. it needs to be scalable for sure. And uh, a young person uh, who is interested in photography listening to, the, to this podcast today would wonder and, uh, you know, uh, check your work, listen to your story, the challenges you've been able to overcome over the years and wonder, wow, I need to go into wildlife and conservation photography, but... Uh, I don't have maybe a good camera. I don't have knowledge. I, I don't have maybe money to travel around. I don't have the right connections. What's one advice uh, you will give to upcoming young photographers uh, who are interested in making a positive impact, not only to the environment, but to, to people and to society in general? Yeah, that's a, that's a big, <clears throat> it's a big question. Um, and, and I think if I was to pick one area, it would be experiment, uh, trial and error. Just experiment, experiment, and experiment some more. Um, you know, if 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 you can afford a basic a basic camera, there are a lot of things that can be done wherever you are in the world, whether it be in the conservation space or or, or you know urban wildlife or if you're in Kenya there is there is a lot that's that's accessible um, to you um, I think not only is this learning by doing technique able to find your niche where your where your passions lie um, but it's also a great way of of self-discovery like like most creative hobbies and, and pastimes. Um, and I think the better you know yourself, the better you'll be able to find the areas that make you tick. So in photography, like like with me, uh, photography is, was interesting. And I started with things like um, <clears throat> street photography. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't, and I still am not a fan of taking pictures of people in general. Um, so I knew that that wasn't for me, um, but I experimented with a with quite a few different different things. Um, and as luck may have it, and partly through my experimentation process, I found wildlife, and that's how how it was born born to me. Um, you know, you that's what I'm saying is that you may even discover that another type of photography might be interesting to you. you you may you may be interested in wildlife and conservation photography, but maybe there is a particular field or a thematic area, or it could be within one of those areas that that you know particularly interest you. Um, or not, not to sound harsh, but you may discover that you want to keep photography as a as a hobby. You, you know you know what I mean. Yes. Um, and I think I think all these things are. As I said, it's it's a discovery process. It's it's your self discovery process. It's a long and reflective journey. At least it was for me. Um, yeah, uh, I think that would be a that would be a key, a, a key area. Um, what else? <clears throat> um, the the other maybe the other the other bit I would I would say is. Don't f not to focus too much on the technique technical aspects of of photography. I'm not mm -hmm. saying I'm not saying it's not needed. I think yeah. I think even a basic understanding of how to use your camera um, and some of the you know guidelines on composition 
and understanding light and you know these are these are these are important to know but that shouldn't be that should be 20 percent awesome of the job <clears throat> yeah or maybe less mm -hmm. um and the rest should be your creativity your your art um you know rules and restrictions versus creativity don't usually bode well together um you know there's numerous composition techniques uh technical aspects lighting etc um but this only serves as a foundation to set your own creative path um to to just give you an, an example <clears throat> i was reading i can't remember what what it was but it was talking about when you're young and you're learning letters and words that is the equivalent of the technical process, for example. Um, sure, you need to learn letters, letters and words to be able to put together sentences and phrases, but it's the combination, the, the communication and the creative use of utilizing these words in sentences and phrases that ultimately matters, right? Powerful, um, yes. And that's, that's where the art kicks in. And, and it's the same thing in photography. And I will bet that it's very similar in other artistic um forms as well wow um so yeah that's that's just that's just the point on uh i think on 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 sorry experimentation self-discovery and focus on creativity, creativity wow that's profound thanks amish and um uh, moving on amish how have partnerships and collaborations played a part in taking your vision as a moment creator forward. I'm sure you've partnered and worked alongside so many creatives, so many organizations, yeah. and you're not stopping now. Um, talk to us a bit about that. No, that's, I mean, we've, we've, we've already touched on it um, a couple of times in, uh, in, in this conversation, but absolutely, these are, these are crucials. These are crucial right? partnerships and these types of relationships with key stakeholders are a key element of the process. Um, I think we spoke about it in the challenges bit when we talk about access. Um, and it's not just conservation organizations, you know, it could be, you know, local guides, it could be trackers, rangers, it could be camps, wildlife vets, people in government agencies, people like yourself that are using this medium to help raise awareness and understanding of how crucial this, this space is. Um, you know, we're using different platforms and different mediums to essentially help to communicate a, a very aligned and like-minded message. Um, you know, I can, I can only label myself as a photographer primarily because of these types of relationships. Every, every single one contributes to some, to some aspect of what I'm trying to achieve, um, I also think it's important to be to be selective, and I think we spoke about this earlier on as well. Um, you know, with with time, you will become more picky and choosy. I think um, there's there's a lot of marketing out there, um, and and unfortunately, it's it's human nature um, at at play right? It, it might be a very, very critical and important um, narrative, but there is going to be, you know, a handful of people and stakeholders that, you know, it's, it's more of a marketing gimmick. And I, I think it's imp important to distinguish the authentic partners, those that are like-minded, have the same objectives and passions versus those that have maybe a hidden agenda. And, and yeah, there is, there is a lot of, there's a lot of these types of people out there, unfortunately. Uh, and, you know, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do, but with time, I think you're, you should be able to pick up these subtle orange um, flags. Um, you know, it's, I think the conservation space is a relatively unregulated um, space. I'm not saying that regulation will, will help help it to be better, but, um, you know, 
you can be creative on on how you communicate your message whether it be for for the for for an authentic uh an actionable cause versus something that is just marketing uh that's a, sure. that's a gimmick right yes um, yeah so yeah i mean look partnerships partnerships and collaborations and building relationships with with these stakeholders are are crucial um but it's also important to be to be careful who you work with because they may not have cannot, the same yeah. mm. same agenda uh and yeah. I'm, I'm just talking yeah. from from experience in particularly in my early days where mm-hmm. i had i had people trying to trying to license my my work exclusively to them and things like that i i was able to pick on pick on these things very early on but maybe not everyone does right and sure themselves in in areas that they might be able to difficult might be difficult to squeeze out of mm-hmm. but it's, it's just to be just to be wary of that thanks thanks amish and um amish where, where do you see the future of wildlife filmmaking and storytelling in the next few years there is um i'd say one of the silver linings of the covid 19 pandemic we saw a rise in um uh, storytelling you know uh, whether it's podcasting whether it's people who want to experiment you know going out and taking photos um uh, telling stories of people uh, telling stories of, of nature you know going out more as opposed to uh, the situation how it was we were staying indoors you know we didn't have that uh, connection with nature for for, for mm-hmm. majority of us who love being on the outdoors yeah? yes um where do you see the future of 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 these creative industry and you know there's a lot of technological tools as well which are coming up you know there's a lot of you know drones you know we have the internet we have starlink now you know we have cameras we have iphones we have all these powerful tools in our hands as well you know phone photography is also taking shape yeah Uh, what are your thoughts around all this i mean the, the technology um i think should be should be seen as a as as a positive um, because it gives more people more access. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's there's pros and cons about it as well. Um, for for example, you know, you you'd go to the Mara and everyone's got either a camera or a phone out. Um, and maybe <laughs> I, I'm I'm going off on a tangent here, but but maybe maybe you're forgetting to experience the moment. <clears throat> and I think this is also, you know, what we were talking about earlier on with the, with the conservation narrative. I think it's, it's important that people connect, um, you know, from an emotional standpoint, you know, just being in, in that space, you know, in front yeah. of a, in front of a pride of, of 20 lions is, is something that should not be taken for granted. It, it is, it is a wonderful moment. Um, and to see a massive car of 10 people and all of them have got their phones out and they're, they're seeing what they're experiencing through their phone, which is probably very bad quality as well. Um, anyway, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going on a, on a tangent here. So I was just highlighting, a one of the cons of, of technology, but, but the technology is good because, because it gives people that, uh, as I said, more people, more access, that means more sharing, more stories, um, that might create a lot of noise, uh, as well. So that that's maybe the, the con side, but it's a, it's a, it's a tricky one. Um, when talking about the future of this, of this space, um, I think, the storytelling space using still photography has a lot of potential. Um, you know, there's there's quite a few very established wildlife and nature photographers that are exceptional. They're, they're extremely talented, have a huge following base, but you don't see much on telling stories with a series of photos and, and text. Uh, it's an increasing trend, no doubt. But I think there's I think there's potential there um, because there are so many stories out there. It, it could be in Kenya, it could be in, in your own backyard, uh, wherever wherever you live. Um, 
but then you have other areas, you know, technology areas such as AI, which I'm pretty sure that it won't be a threat to people like me or videographers, documentary makers, or again, it's it's an opinion, but we, we never know how quickly um, things will change. I, I read a statistic the other day that in one year uh, of AI being able to create images, AI has created um, the same number of images that have been created over the last 15 years by humans with their phone, with their cameras and phones. Wow. That's a massive, what? that's a, I mean, we're talking billions, billions and billions of photos. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, I personally use AI tools uh, for a lot of my post-processing. Lightroom has is using a lot of AI tools for masking and things. And I think it's a, it's a great thing. Um, but with regards to creating images and that, I personally don't think it's a, it's a threat. But I think the more urgent and pressing the messaging becomes around conservation and what's important and the narrative around it, Technology such as AI has some potential to create visuals and videos that could be part of the visual storytelling space. It, it, it's, it's quicker, it's easier, and it's cheaper to produce. I don't need to travel mm. all the way to Kenya. But then again, yeah. you know, you cross you cross the 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 border the, or the ethical border of of um, authenticity and transparency. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think real footage will real actual footage, photography and video will always have have a part to play. Anyway, I'm not really answering your question. I'm uh, I think I'm more waffling than than anything. It's a it's a tricky it's a tricky one. Um, Balance, yeah. I think I think technology technology has significantly changed the world of um, of filmmaking, of of photography, of storytelling, and I think it will continue to do so. Uh, and it's up to us as creatives to continue to focus on our niche. Um, Perfect. Because yeah, as I said, real footage will always will always have it have its part to play. Great. As as we near the completion of this chat, Amish, are you in favor of editing? Because as a photographer, I can imagine. Yes, you've got this beautiful shot of a of a leopard, you know, or a cheetah, uh, uh, three cheetahs, you know, on a hunt, and you've got this beautiful steel shot that you've captured, and you have these all these uh, Adobe, you know, Lightroom, all these tools that we have right now of editing, and mm -hmm. you edit this photo, and it looks unreal, you know. Are you <laughs> are you in favor of too much editing, or do you do you like it more? authentic more real uh, what what are your thoughts around around editing and all these tools uh yeah it's a, it's a, it's a good question i i think i think my natural answer would be to to your latter part which would be to keep it as authentic as as possible um but it also depends on on the kind of photography i'm doing um so for example if it is for a conservation a, a story Mm -hmm. then there is very little editing that needs maybe a little bit of a crop just to get the composition a bit better. Um, but the less, the better. Because <clears throat> on a conservation story, you, you, want to, you, want to you want to communicate exactly what was happening. And that's very difficult because you are you are taking what you experience, see, feel, smell, uh, in three dimensions into a two D still image. It, it's 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 quite challenging to do, but I think the more natural that you know, and that's why a series of photos also helps to tell the story. Um, so on the conservation side, minimal on. Minimal. My wildlife photography in general and the more artistic side because um, I do do a lot of work in the more fine art photography space, I should say, Yeah. Um, on how I distribute my work and, and things like this. Um, 
I try and keep it as authentic as possible. I don't, I, I don't add things to my photos uh, or remove, you know, uh, you know, if there's three cheetahs and, and a few wildebeest in the background, I wouldn't remove those wildebeest to make it, you know, uh, aesthetically better. Um, so I, I, I try and respect the process in this way to keep it as natural as possible, but I do, I do definitely edit my work and you will see that I love black and white. Yes. Um, <laughs> I have this, this thing. I don't know if it's a phase I'm going through or, or, um, I really believe it. It's, it's something I'm still, I'm still discovering, but I love black and white. It, it just removes so much information from, from the photo. It, it, it has more of an emotional feel to it. It directs the eye to the subject and to what I'm, I'm, I want someone to see. Um, yeah. And, and so yeah, I, 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 I do edit my work. Um, and depending on the photo, it might be edited more than, than another one. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I hope that Great. answers your, your question. Thank you. Thank you, Amish. And um, where can our listeners find you, connect with your work and follow you and support you, Amish? Uh, yeah, well, first of all, thank you for for having me on, on this this podcast and sharing this with your with your audience. Um, it means it means a lot. Um, my website, which is chagsphotography.com c-h-a-g-s photography.com yeah. mm -hmm. um and my instagram which is at chags.photography c-h-g-c-h-a-g-s dot photography um would would definitely welcome anyone that's willing to get in touch regarding wildlife conservation photography um always looking to expand my network the message, the potential collaborations, in particular with the conservation um, organizations and stakeholders that are keen to spread their, their message. Um, so, yeah. Cool. And before the mics were on, you mentioned about your expo. Could you tell us how we can, you know, see that or, you know, like, support? Ah, right. Um, yeah, well, it's it's an expo that's happening here in, in Barcelona. It's a physical space that... Uh, that is showcasing about 15, 15 of my photos. Um, uh, I can, I can share the things, but it's, it's for those, you know, probably that, that live, that live here or are coming to visit, visit Barcelona. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is the, this is the last week. It's been going on for two months now. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's, it's been great. It's been yeah. really good. It's been cool. good to see the reactions. Um, you know, we spoke, we spoke earlier on about about awareness and and maybe this is somehow influenced my 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 reasoning but it's amazing to see the reactions of people i mean one thing yes. is to see it on your phone or, or see these photos on your phone or on your laptop or, or something but when you see it printed on you know one meter wide uh paper and framed and, and that it, it raises a different, it brings out a different emotion and different reaction from people. And, and they start to become more curious Absolutely. and they start to ask questions and they start to, you know, and then this leads to not just awareness, but to understanding. Uh, and uh, yeah, anyway, it's, it, it's, it was an interesting observation. I hadn't, uh, I hadn't thought of this before, but providing that physical, um, print and that physical framed photo, you know, gives, gives a different reaction. Um, and that's wow. part of the, the awareness and part of the, um, understanding and hopefully emotion and action that can come out of, um, just having, having an expo. Cool. 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 We are almost clocking an hour, Mish. Um, I can't say, wow. <laughs> I can't thank you enough really for, for, for making time to, to join us today and sharing your story, your creative process oh, and all it's that an that you've pleasure. shared. And, and I can't wait to share this with our listeners as well. So Asante Sana uh, for coming Asante to the podcast Sana. and um, yeah, let's keep in touch. And I, I can't wait to see you when you come uh, in Kenya later this year. Yes, I will. I will let you know. I will let you know. 
Definitely. Thank cool. you so much for having me, Diblex. It it means it means a lot that you that you asked me to 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 be on here, uh, given it's a conservation focused um, area. But but of course, as we've spoken, photography is is a powerful tool in in that in that space. So thank you so much, and and I and I hope your your listeners get something something out of this. For sure, for sure. Uh, okay, bye, Amish. Uh, talk soon. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye. A huge thank you for taking time to listen to this great conversation. Kindly be sure to leave a review in your favorite podcast listening app for free today. Follow us on social media to get updates on when fresh episodes are released. Yours truly, Diblex. Until next time, stay safe and stay blessed. Kwaheri.